0: Hello and welcome to Natural Health with CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Sanchez. In today's episode, I'm joined by Juliet Galatly, the founder of vegan charity, Viva. Juliet is going to be talking to us about how Viva came to fruition and all the amazing work she does for animal welfare. She'll also be explaining the benefits of a plant-based diet, how to go vegan in a healthy way, and the impact dairy has on health. Juliet founded Viva, a vibrant campaigning charity that promotes veganism and saving animals in 1994. She's been fortunate to create and launch numerous campaigns which focus on saving animals. Juliet launched the incredible vegan shows helping people across the UK to go vegetarian and vegan. Juliet is a qualified nutritional therapist and is also the author of a number of books and guides, including The Silent Ark, Born to be Wild, and The Live Wire Guide to Going, Being, and Staying Veggie. Hi, Juliet. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. It's great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure. How are you? I'm great, thank you. The sun is shining, so can't complain. So the work you do is so inspirational and you're really making a difference in the world, getting your message out there and helping save animals from all the inhumane practices out there. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your story and all your tips and advice on adopting a vegan plant-based diet. But firstly, though, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and the story of Viva?
1: Well, I apparently, according to my mum, used to fight for the underdog when I was a a kid and used to do (laughs) things like, you know, rescue cats that I thought needed saving when I was a little girl and stuff like (laughs) that. that. And then when I got to become, I suppose, early teens, perhaps a little bit before that, I became aware of factory farming and thought it was obscene. But I grew up in those times when, you know, I don't even think I even knew the word vegan, let alone know anybody that was practicing the diet Mm -hmm. or even vegetarian. So it was quite an alien concept to my family, to my school, my friends. Very different times, and but I could not stand the cruelty, and I just thought, right, I'm going to find out for myself. And being a bolshee character that I was when I was in my <laughs> early te- teens, I actually managed to wangle my way to a visit to the biggest factory farm in the UK back then, which was in the Midlands and used as a showcase for farmers across the world. Oh, wow! And so I saw it for myself, and y- you know, as you can imagine, it's one thing reading something on a leaflet, and it's an entirely different experience seeing it for yourself and perhaps more so at that age when you're naive you're inexperienced it was really a major shock it's it's the it's the it's not just the visuals it's the smells actually and the sounds Mm
0: -hmm. and it's very hard
1: of course to get that across even on video and so I walked into a pig unit and that back then they had like several hundred female pregnant pigs who are all in these cages and it was just this basically massive industrialized concrete building And I was like, oh, my God, you know, this is how Mm. meat is produced. And of course, that's how the majority of meat, you know, was produced. And I walked into the battery shed, which back then, you know, they kept hens five to a cage back then. Now they keep 40 to 80 in a cage. You know, it was just such a shock to the system, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the dead animals left in the cages. And so I thought, right, okay, I'm going to have to go home and, you know, speak to my family and say, I just can't be part of this. And so my mum was very sympathetic, but she was very lacking in terms of the nutritional knowledge. So I remember she tried to chop up chicken meat and put it in my, you know, rice salad because she was absolutely convinced I had to have it, you know, from a health perspective. (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) But I saw it then. I said, look, mum, if you do this again, I'm just, you know, it's just, this just can't happen. I, I simply won't eat it. So we explored the nutritional side together and she was very good, actually. And funnily enough, she, uh, well, not fully enough, perhaps naturally, she ended up going vegetarian with me. Um, and then right. my brother changed really quickly. My sister, my dad used to take the Mickey and it took him 20 years to change. <laughs> it, <he> did. <laughs> oh, good on him. It, it rubbed off in the end. It did. We got there and it got there in the end. It's quite funny. <laughs> actually. I was just going for a walk with him and he just suddenly said to me, Juliet. I'm not going to eat animals anymore. I've decided it's, I've decided, right, it's much healthier and I don't like what happens to the animals. I almost dropped through the floor because it spent <laughs> years with <ripping> me. <laughs> Something just clicked. Oh, that's brilliant. Yes. So that was, without me knowing it back then, of course, the, the seeds for Viva forming. And I did a degree mm-hmm. in zoology um, and I specialised in ethology, which is the study of animals in their natural environment and that was where my interest lay but it was all like you know um laying a foundation to work to save animals i was very determined i knew that i was going to do that i was very naive though i thought that if you just told people what was going on then they were bound to change and of course the truth is somewhat more complex than that but yes. um yeah in my 20s i worked in the media um i got a job then in an anti vivisection organisation in london and worked nationally on campaigns and research and then got a job as youth education officer for the Vegetarian Society up in Altringham in Cheshire, um, and basically got promoted um, quite uh, quickly. I became campaigns director, and then I became its director of the Vegetarian Society. So I left that organisation to set up Viva as a vegan organisation, which was much more campaigns-focused, where the Vegetarian Society mm-hmm. was much more food-focused. So so for the campaigning, we have fo- focused on obviously animals, as you mentioned in your intro, but also much wider than that. We've done a hell of a lot on health. Um, part of our website is nice. vivahealth.com.uk. There's lots and lots of information on there and also on the planet. Um, and we're doing more and more on the planet as well. So Viva's kind of split into four parts. There's viva animals, viva health, viva planet and viva life. And Viva lifestyle is exactly what you'd expect. It's all the events we do, like the festivals and um, the recipe clubs that we run um, and so on and so
0: forth, helping people um, make changes. Yeah, no, I love that. Tell us about the recipe club and the vegan festivals, because, you know, the recipe club sounds great. Well, I I mean,
1: I can't believe this this myself, but I actually started off the vegan festivals when Viva was 10 years old. And nobody was doing them, which just you you can't believe now because they've absolutely exploded and they're all over the place in the smallest towns. Um, but back then they were called the Incredible Veggie Roadshow. So they were literally done like a military operation where mm-hmm. I'd have most of the staff cut. Well, they were on a Saturdays and would go to different towns and cities across the UK. And back then we would offer lots and lots of free food. Um, so we started them off by doing loads of free food samples and then different cuisines from different countries, usually Indian, say Chinese and Italian Mm -hmm. and we would pull in back then mainly well lots and lots of meat eaters we're getting a third to half of the people coming in were being were meat eaters So it was true we were aiming at really to show them that being vegetarian and vegan you know wasn't difficult and introducing things like vegan cheeses to them and um chocolates and the kind of things that maybe they hadn't tried before um and they were so successful we just couldn't believe it you know I was You know, I'd booked about almost one a month and taken a big risk. And I just thought, I hope I've not made a mistake here. (laughs) Um, But they just were so incredibly successful. You know, um, even in the smallest towns like Chepstow back then, I I don't know why I remember this, but we had like 900 people through the door in a very small market town through to the big cities where obviously you were getting thousands. And I was like, wow, we we're hit on something here. And then, of course, from that point onward, We renamed them um, Incredible Vegan Shows and and then everybody was doing them and people were taking them on board and copying them in somewhere in their local towns and then developing their own styles completely. Right forward to today where you have the vegan markets. I was just looking at them last night, actually. And even after lockdown, which is obviously, you know, really not the stuffing out of, you know, so many businesses, Mm -hmm. Um, especially those specialising in festivals. Um, but they're back on board, and they've got um, vegan markets. If you you know just Google vegan markets UK, and, the, and and they are all over the place. So these are outdoor food markets. So things have changed and progressed so much in the last few years. It's incredible. And the recipe club, I, I have to say, it, I am really proud of, and I'm not blowing my own trumpet because I don't <laughs> write it, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's called veganrecipeclub.org.uk dot org and it's an app for your phone. Um, that's got many, many, many hundreds of recipes and what I really like about it, and I genuinely do use it myself all the time. Um, you can search on an ingredient, like say you've got, I don't know, carrots left in your fridge and it will pull up the recipes using carrots and, or you can go through and look for quick recipes or nationalities, you know, different types of cuisines. Oh, brilliant. Or you, can look for you know, it's just, it's just so easy to search on and so inspirational. I
0: really do love the Vegan Recipe Club. No, it sounds fantastic. I'm actually going to download the app because that's the thing is you just if you've got all these ingredients, you kind of sometimes get stuck for those recipes, don't you think? Oh, you know, what, what can I make with this? So um, having that inspiration or some an app telling you to do it is a, a fantastic idea. So no, I love that. And you're a real trailblazer. And I love that because I know when I can imagine all those years ago, it was such a sort of not not so much. Uh, it was, as you said, it an alien concept, um, because people didn't. So you know, veganism wasn't really heard of as well now. A lot most people do know what veganism is. So um but yeah so good on you. I think that's brilliant. And yeah, I'm glad that the vegan festivals have been so successful because I think as well for all the meat eaters, they think, oh, you go vegan, you're just gonna live off iceberg lettuce when the reality is some of the amazing food is um, you know, plant based. You know, you can really get creative, can't you, with all the spices and herbs and to make things taste really yummy.
1: You know what I have to say, and this is all, you know, in absolute candidly that my diet didn't start becoming good until I went vegan. And I think what happens is we forget that so many people, millions and millions of us are just stuck in a rut with what we cook. Most people, it's been well researched, only have about four to six recipes um, for main meals that they actually are very comfortable with and know how to make without a cookbook. So, so inevitably, people are making the same time and time again, or they're buying that block of meat, whatever it is, and putting, you know, say side vegetables in it. So, and that and that is it. And there yeah. is a big tendency in in, in Britain, and you know, well, obviously the Western world, you know, generally and beyond, um, t- towards junk food because that's the way we we sort of pushed. We're very time sensitive and all the rest of it. And so people buy a lot of ready-made meals and they buy a lot of junk food. And it wasn't until I went vegan and I started experimenting that and started going to different restaurants that I realized how beautiful vegan food could be and yes. how elegant. And I've been to, you know, I've had the most amazing meals. Um, I went to one in Bath just the other day, my sons, I've got twin sons, they were 18. Oh, wow. And it was the most, it was a seven course vegan meal, um, and I, I, honestly, it was just wonderful. And oh, the chef is delicious. not vegan, but that's one of the um, clues as to how veganism has changed, that you're getting these top meat chefs who are now realising that all the um, flavours from the different plants and the experiments that they can do with it, that they, it's given them new life almost to enjoy you know, a new cuisine and a new style. And my goodness me, it was just incredible. So, yeah, vegan food is, you know, has, you know, in years gone by had a bad rap to some degree today. But I do think probably partly because all the national chains are now competing with each other to provide vegan menus, not the vegan token gesture, but whole menus. You know, you've got Wagamama, Pizza Express and all the rest of them. Literally yes. trying to say they're the best at vegan food, and so people are kind of latching on that actually <laughs> it's as delicious as anything else, but you know much healthier or it should be, um, and all obviously without the cruelty and the damaging of the planet, which of course meat and dairy and fish are horrendously damaging on an
0: environmental scale. No, absolutely, and I, that's one of, when we go on to talk about the ways to go vegan later. That's something I want to touch on because I think a lot of people don't do it the right way; they sort of end up living on things like pasta and rice and sort of more of the grains thing, and then they become a bit more unhealthier. So that's something we'll we'll talk about a bit later. But it's about, yeah, sort of getting creative with all the amazing plants that we have available for us.
1: Yes, one of the things that we do on our um, Viva Health website is show people, because when people are transitioning, the natural thing to do is to reach out for foods that are familiar to you, you know, Mm -hmm. that you feel comfortable with. So we do what's called a veganizer, where you do the traditional breakfast and the vegan version. Um, And we do the same, obviously, with lunches and dinners, just so people are dipping their toe in the water and realizing that it's not difficult. Because I think that's the first thing to get over, that you don't have to spend loads of time eating healthier vegan foods than your normal diet at all, actually. And the Vegan Recipe Club helps loads with that as well, because there's a massive sort of quick section. Um, (laughs) And we're very health conscious. We try really hard to make, you know, recipes very tasty, but very easy um, and healthier than people perhaps, you know, got into bad habits, you know. So, for example, the typical breakfast that so many millions of people are eating in the UK, which would be like cornflakes or whatever, equivalent Mm -hmm. with um, cow's milk. You know, it's so easy to make a much healthier version with cereals, isn't it? You know, yes. I mean, my personal favourite, obviously, is no surprise, is um, in the winter. I, I do genuinely love porridge and um, yep, I too. do genuinely <laughs> love muesli. So, you know, we just advise people and it sounds so obvious, but we just advise that the thing to not think of as a luxury and spend a bit of money on is fresh fruits like raspberries and strawberries and any berries that you enjoy, blueberries, put those onto the cereal use a plant-based milk, soy or almond, whatever it is you enjoy, um, and sprinkle some ground flaxseed on it. And instantly they've gone from having something that's really almost negative nutrient-wise to something that's very positive without spending very much more time, literally seconds more time. And that's a very, very obvious example. And we do that with people. We try and hold their hands and show them. Like, for example, and I'll just give a really other quick example would be something like to people you know, really popular sandwiches for a meat eater are just ham slices um, or chicken slices on white bread. And so, as you can imagine, it's very easy to make that healthier with a vegan version. So we've been advising them on lots of different sandwich fillings and using wholemeal bread or at least half and half. And then, you know, persuading them to do the rainbow. And I know it sounds kind of childlike, but I'm sure, as you all know, with nutritional therapy, you know, when I was treating people one-to-one, I found people very responsive to that, the colour thing. And I would say, look, look, literally, buy tinned sweet corn. You've got the yellow of the sweet corn, um, you know, the purple of the beetroot. Take a few seconds to chop a little bit up. It takes seconds to grate a carrot. You don't even need to peel it. Buy buy organic. Just you know, just just grate a bit of that on there. And I'd go through doing the orange, the yellow, <laughs> the, the dark green of the rocket. Add that add that in. And if you want your ham, you know that 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 sort of that fix, if you like, then buy something like you know the V bites ham slices, which are vegan. Um, but it would give them other options, and you've got your sandwich. And again, you've taken probably about one and a half minutes more to prepare this but you've suddenly got this massive nutrient boost. So we've found, genuinely found, that the average meat eater eats a lot too much of the bad stuff and far too little of the good stuff. And we find that we can adjust that very well on a vegan
0: diet and get them eating better and healthier. Absolutely. And as you say, it's just that that simple thing. And I think once, once people know that um, or get some ideas, like, you know, like the ideas you've just reeled off, then it kind of like, oh, I can do that. And then once they start feeling better in themselves, they've got more energy, they feel a bit more alert, then it's kind of they're like, oh, there's something in this, isn't there? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I would always try and inspire people, especially when I used to do the one-to-one sessions, you know, I'd, I'd say... You know, let's go through this just for one month. And, you know, I can't guarantee, I'm not going to give you a written guarantee, but I bet that you have more energy. And then obviously, you know, I talked to them about their specific condition. But, um, you know, people, be, get, your body responds very quickly, I think, incredibly quickly, considering how we often hammer it and aren't that nice to it in terms of what we yes. do to ourselves in terms of our diet and drinking and all the rest of it. And I find that the body responds remarkably quickly to change in a positive way. So that that makes it easier in terms of being able to inspire people. I mean, even the simplest of dishes. You know, somebody who I mean, I remember um, treating somebody. This guy who literally ate McDonald's for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. Um, his life, Gosh. diet, life was around mcdonald's and he would you know he'd not surprisingly become rather ill <laughs> with no. multiple different things going
0: on <laughs> i just don't know how people can do that though like for, for oh, breakfast lunch and I dinner I, I mean know, it's
1: shocking how many people live off junk food and his was mm. an extreme example but people you know in various forms of that do live their lives that way where they're just yes. reaching out for the nearest thing the trouble is when you're dealing with people like that is that. They, You know, cooking itself is an alien concept. So it's not even like veganizing, like, say, a really obvious example. We say chili con carne. Most people can make that and they like it in the winter. I could say, well, let's make a vegan version, which is chili non carne. And all you're doing really is substituting beef mince for a vegan mince, of which there are loads of brands now. And I'd encourage them to say... Add a few more pulses and you know different you know, give them ideas of boosting the nutrient content, dead easy, dead familiar, but with somebody like him, he wasn't even used to me making yeah. you know conkarne so so that was quite challenging, and I had to really hold his hands and start very gently in terms of introducing healthier foods and that that was challenging for me as well and um but we got there, and because he so so badly wanted to get better because he really was going downhill he needed that sort of weekly input though, more input than normal clients. And, um, but he's one of my proudest kind of moments because he improved so much through, you know, those dietary changes and obviously then became very open-minded towards going vegan. Um, and it was just, it was just one of those things that I'll never, never, never forget. And, um, neither will he either and another client who had IBS i'll just tell you really quickly she was a phd student actually that's as much as i'll say about her very bright woman but had got into these habits of eating very badly and yeah. drinking loads as well as a student and she'd had her IBS since she was about 12 years old and seen doctors she's seen consultants she'd got all the medication basically given minimal you know information about changing her diet it was all about trying to control it really Um, and I encouraged her to change her diet to something that was much, much healthier. And, you know, people on IBS are told not to eat any fiber and all this. And of course they end up going more downhill. And so we were introducing healthier and healthier and healthier foods. And she, I never forget, she responded so well. And she said for the first time, as long as I can remember, I'm not taking out medication to stop me, you know, going to have diarrhea. And, yeah. and she said, it was just incredible that I've done all this through diet. And so there is so much that you can do through improving people's diets. But, but, the, um, you know, but with people like Absolutely. that, you kind of do hold their hand and have that input and the more time with them. Generally with Viva, of course, we treat, you know, it's more about giving people information en masse.
0: But those individual moments, it's wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you did the naturopathic nutrition diploma, didn't you, at CNM? I did. I did it in Bristol. I did it over three years. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And was that just to add sort of another dimension to Viva or had you always wanted to practice as well? It was, I had become,
1: my knowledge base was very animal and environmental focused and I'd investigated um, animal cruelty directly myself a number of times. So... I was finding, though, as director of Viva, that the the um, a lot of the interest was on the health side, and that um, a lot of the talks where people, especially from outside bodies like the Women's Institute and so forth, um, you know, they wanted talks on health because that was safe for them, as they saw yes. it, and it got bums on seats. Being blunt about it, so. I thought actually I need to increase my knowledge base. And because I already had a science degree, I didn't want to do a nutrition degree. So I thought I want to do something much more practical mm-hmm. where you're trained to actually help people. And um, and that's what we were doing as Viva all the time. We were talking to people and helping people. So it was much more natural for me and right for me to do nutritional therapy as opposed to a nutrition degree. So um, it was really helpful actually. It enabled me, I did treat people um, on a one-to-one level after I'd done the course, because obviously during the three-year course, you, you, I can't remember how many hours, but you do a lot of hours lot, yeah. of actually treating people as part of your training. And then when I was qualified, I did carry on doing it, actually. I, I you know, invited people to the Viva offices um, and carried on with it until it just, to be honest, I just got so busy. I just couldn't do that anymore. But it, it's been very helpful as part of my whole you know, outlook for Viva and helping people and the, the, the knowledge on health that we, that we put
0: out there. Absolutely. Definitely. I think the more knowledge you have, the better, especially when you're putting recipes and nutrition information out there. Now, that's fantastic. So now let's move on to, we have touched on it a little bit, but so sort of about going vegan. Now, firstly, can you just please explain the difference between a vegetarian and a vegan? Because there might be some people that are not fully aware. And also talk us through some of the health benefits of eating a plant-based diet. I mean, you've just talked on some with some of your clients, but can you talk us through some of those? Yeah, sure. Um, I'd say the the, the simple difference between vegetarian and vegan
1: is a vegetarian is somebody who doesn't eat anything from a slaughtered animal. So that's the obvious meat, fish, seafood, um, and so forth. But they do still consume animal products that have come from a living animal. So would still consume dairy and eggs, for example, and honey. Whereas a vegan does not consume anything that's come from an animal whatsoever, whether that animal is still alive or whether that animal has been slaughtered. So I think that's probably the easiest way to understand it.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good good explanation.
1: I was just going to say, you say about discovering the health benefits of a vegan diet. Well, I think it's all about what you take out of your diet, of course, because meat, fish and dairy harm us in different ways. And then, of course, it's what you put into your diet, because, of course, most people still, sadly, are not eating anywhere near enough of the good stuff. So they're not eating anywhere near enough fruits and vegetables. They're not eating anywhere near enough um, whole grains. They're not eating enough um, nuts and pulses. And so a vegan diet naturally, of course, is based on all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, At least it should be. (laughs) And and so it's about improving your health by what you put into it, but also by what you take out. So if you compare, for example, um, your average meat eater, so I'm talking about Britain now, your average meat eater um, with your average vegan, you'll find that vegans naturally tend to be at their more natural weight. So they're at a healthier weight, whereas uh, meat consumers tend to be overweight. Um, and that has all its own health consequences, of course, as we mm-hmm. well know. Uh, vegans have much lower cholesterol, much healthier cholesterol, so pretty much almost two-thirds lower. It's huge. Um, they naturally have lower blood pressure, healthy blood pressure, and they have much lower rates of things like chronic diseases, like um, type 2 diabetes especially is very powerful one, um, but also lower rates of heart disease um, and some cancers. So. About a third of cancers can be avoided by changing to a healthier diet. Um, Obviously, other things are important, like increasing exercise and stopping smoking, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the vegan diet can play a huge part in reducing your risk. So when I'm giving talks on veganism, I don't pretend that it's some panacea that suddenly you're going to become, you know, live until you're 120 or anything like that. But what it is about, well, for me anyway, is making your life as pleasurable as possible in, in yeah. you know in the most positive sense in that you have if you're older you've got energy to play with your grandchildren so when you come home from a good day's work you've still got the energy to actually go out at night and enjoy it yeah. and so it's you know for me it's about all those things very practical things and obviously at the same time the massive massive benefit that you're eating the diet which is least damaging to the environment And that with veganism is not hurting animals. And we made a documentary, of course, this year called Hogwood, which has just (laughs) won two awards, by the way. Well done. Um, Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. You know, but it's having a phenomenal impact. And one of the reasons why is that it just shows bog standard factory farming in Britain and shows that we do not have the best welfare standards by any stretch of the imagination in the world. And in fact, those standards are incredibly low. So it is really important from many perspectives. But going back to your question about health, well, because obviously animal products, when you think about dairy, when people consume dairy, what is it that they're consuming most of? Well, of, obviously, you think in terms of hard cheeses. So what, what is hard cheese? What is it that we're attracted to? Well, of course, it's the saturated fat mm-hmm. content largely. Yeah. Um, and it's saturated fats, of course, that do us so much damage. Um, Obviously, there's high animal protein content in meat and dairy. And of course, cholesterol, obviously, but the saturated fats are more damaging. Um, Whereas, uh, you know, a plant-based diet, a whole food plant-based diet, let me stress, contains a wide range of fruits, of vegetables, of whole grains, of pulses, that's the peas, beans and lentils groups, nuts and seeds. So it's got all the, the nutrients that promote long, healthy Lives and also protect as much as is possible from, you know, by your diet from um, chronic diseases. I mean, look at COVID. Um, Going vegan doesn't stop you getting that virus. Let me stress that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is the underlying diseases for those people that get severe COVID or tend to, Mm -hmm. vegans get much, much less of those underlying diseases like diabetes, like heart disease and so on and so forth. Yep. So it's, it, it's, it's really, really powerful stuff. Um, no, it really so, is. Yeah. yeah, lots of reasons. I mean, fish, very, very briefly. I mean, I can't think of another food that carries a government health warning, and fish does. You know, we are actually told not to consume too much of certain fish because of the mercury content, because of the PCBs, basically the toxic pollutants. And the other issue with fish, which you know I won't talk much about, but basically, is the fact that, that our world's oceans are collapsing ecologically, and mm-hmm. um, we yep. simply cannot withstand what we are doing to the world's oceans. It, it, it's, it's horrendous. And so the true answer is not this so-called sustainable fishing. We've been sold this line for a very long time now. It's simply not working. The oceans are literally collapsing. Um, so the answer is not to consume fish. There is absolutely nothing. That fish offers you, nutritionally speaking, that you cannot get elsewhere from a a perfectly safe plant source. And so it's much, much better to do that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So lots lots and lots of reasons to,
0: to, to go vegan. Definitely. Okay. So if somebody wants to go vegan, where do they start? And what are some staples they should be including in their weekly shop? And so what are some of the dietary mistakes that people make when they go vegan? I suppose
1: the typical thing is, I mean, it's natural to do this, isn't it? It's like I was saying, you tend to go for what's familiar. Mm-hmm. So um, people, for example, who maybe will you know, reduce their meat um, or perhaps tending towards vegetarian, they might be vegetarian, but they might be eating way too much cheese um, because they've substituted meat with cheese. And so yes. somebody who goes vegan may for example eat far too much vegan cheese and (laughs) And, you know they're sort of just substituting literally directly that way and that's fine of course to have it every now and then but actually what you want to do is have a whole food vegan diet where you're eating a variety of the good healthy foods so that you're not you know having um vegan cheese on crackers every night um you know instead yeah. what you need to be doing is eating or well, we all know this the government tells us five a day for fruit and veg and we all know that that's far too few um so scientists would tell you it's um and the world health organization would tell you that you should be having around eight to ten fruits and yes. vegetables every day so it's about um massively I- increasing our fruit and vegetable intake so that so i i give people tips about that you know um um an obvious perhaps one is You know, with salads, again, thinking of that rainbow to introduce side salads into your diet. So when you used to have pizzas, if you're now having, I don't know, let's say um, a vegan pizza, which are easy to get hold of now, always have the side salad. And I would say add the rainbow to that so that, you know, the simple tips with stuff like that. I I do, do do personally find an easy way of doing it is having very fresh smoothies. I find that a really easy way of instantly adding fruits and vegetables, especially to kids diets as well. Absolutely. Um, adding the green vegetables every day so that instead of just thinking of the same vegetable, people again they get stuck in a rut and they get stuck on one vegetable as the side vegetable. Yes. So I encourage them to widen their horizons. And we should be having three or four portions of cereals and grains every day. So you are looking at, you know, things like obviously you cook brown rice and, and other grains and um you're looking at your breakfast cereals as counting as that. So you you, you know, your oats you're looking at your wholemeal pastas, you're looking at your wholemeal breads instead of your white breads and so on and so forth. Um, that's the energy group, which is very important, but it's got lots of other stuff, fibre and B vitamins, calcium and so on. You're looking at having, depending on um, what else your diet is, but around, say, two portions for a woman, three portions for a man, of pulses, nuts or seeds. Mm-hmm. You know, I recommend that people do snack on nuts, unsalted nuts. And again, that's acquiring, it's opening your horizons and... If you're not used to, for example, having unsalted whole nuts and you're only used to like salted peanuts, it can take a while to adapt, but just keep with it and don't have more than what fits in the palm of your hand in a day, because obviously they're highly calorific, but incredibly nutrient dense. So they've got loads of protein, they've got, you know, they're good for energy, good for fiber, calcium, lots of other minerals. Because when you think about it, they're the start of life for the plant. So they've packed in loads of nutrients. So, they're yep. really, really good for us and very good as a solid basis of a vegan diet. So, my tip again would be when you're cooking, just thinking at you, you know, you don't have to spend hours, you know, soaking pulses. You can buy tinned pulses as long as they're unsalted and the rest of it. And you just add, like, say, half a tin of kidney beans or use butter beans. Try experimenting, basically, adding them to salads as well to give them that protein boost. Add them to soups. That's the other big tip. Because when people have like tomato soup for lunch or whatever, I say add in quarter of a tin to half a tin of any bean that you enjoy with it. And your nutrient content of that soup has suddenly gone through the roof. Yes. And again, you've just taken seconds to do that. Um, you need small amounts, obviously, of vegetable oils and margarine, but only very small amounts. We need our essential fatty acids, as we all know. I'd highly recommend ground flaxseed because it's just a very pleasant, mild taste, and it's habit-forming. So just sprinkle it on your salad, sprinkle it on your breakfast cereal in the morning, put it in your smoothie. Um When my kids were little, I used to use flaxseed oil and you don't cook with it because that destroys its omega-3 content. But what you do is you use the cold omega-3 and you add it to your kids, whatever it is you've cooked afterwards and just stir it in and Mm. they don't know that it's there. And again, it's just your habit of doing it. So you've added the essential fatty acids, Um, you know, again, with minimal effort. And then, of course, on a vegan diet, take B12 as a supplement um i tell everybody to do that um you can of course get it through fortified plant milks of course but just i just say for for habit and for good you know good practice b12 supplements are not expensive you know it's almost impossible to overdose on b12 so just take the supplement at the recommended amounts um because b12 as we know is made by microorganisms and you know we used to get it naturally by things being contaminated with soil, for example, that had the microorganisms in it. Or in India, they would still get it from well water that's contaminated, if you like. But in, you know, in, in, in our nation and other Western nations, um, obviously everything is, you know, all the soil being cleaned off. For, so it's yes. really important that you just take that B12 supplement um, each day. And, you know, it's much, much easier than people think. I mean, like I say, on the Viva Health website, people go there... There's a veganizer chart. If they go to the menu and go to going vegan in the top menu, there's an actual section on how to go vegan. It's got traditional foods and vegan versions of them. But also we do the 30-day vegan. We're just about to launch a one-week version of it. But if people go, everything's free as well, by the way. It gives you breakfast, lunch and dinner for 30 days. Obviously, most people won't follow that religiously, but it's there to just inspire you. And what we have done with this is show people that there are very familiar foods, but incredibly nutrient dense. So you'll be, if you, if you are inspired by this and you actually use the recipes from this, or you can do the can't cook, won't cook version, believe it or not, we've done that. Um, Mm -hmm. But what we've done is we've taken a lot of trouble to choose the healthiest range of very, very quick foods possible. So that people feel better, you know, hopefully through their diet than, you know, than they may have felt for a long time. So there's lots and lots of
0: inspiration there. No, that's brilliant. And thanks for touching on the B12 because that was going to be one of my questions because a lot of people, they sort of say, oh, you know, if I cut out meat and dairy, I'm going to be, you know, iron and B12 and calcium deficient. Um, So, yes, and I think, um, yeah, another thing people say is that they need meat, otherwise they feel weak and lethargic and, you know, veganism doesn't work for me. But I think um, your response to that would probably be they're probably eating the wrong things, aren't they, and not eating enough of those uh, nourishing foods.
1: Well, unfortunately
0: unfortunately
1: the media love that kind of vegan bashing story and you know every single case without exception when somebody has said veganism didn't suit me I you know I mean there's a case with um who was it Miley Cyrus uh, no I was was thinking just a bit um further back than that is Will Smithson and it got went all over the news and he said oh my God, you know, veganism doesn't suit me. And then we looked at what he was doing and he was regularly skipping meals completely and Mm. was literally starving himself, you know, and and he said it didn't suit him. And it's blamed on the veganism rather than the fact that he was, you know, so undernourished because he just wasn't eating at all. And so, you know, we sent across ideas how to add nutrients to his diet. We weren't telling him, you must do this, you must do that. We were just saying, you know, these could be really easy ways of you feeling better, um, you know, and so and so, I, I cannot think of a single example where it's actually due to a, a good vegan diet because it just doesn't happen that way. It's people just being silly, to be honest, in some kind of way in terms of, you know, unfortunately it gets a lot of media. But what... what yes. You know what you have to balance guess, is all the millions of people now who are vegan and who feel much better through doing it the right way. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think the other thing to record the typical, you know, Western diet is because it's appalling. You know what what is what is the base point that we're actually comparing a vegan diet against? Because I don't know if you're aware, but there have been studies. I mean, when I started working on on this subject years ago, right up to today, there've been various studies looking at for example, junk food typical diet versus a junk food vegetarian diet, um which was done y- yonks ago, and they found that the junk food vegetarians fared better than the junk food meat eaters that's not that i'm advocating junk food <laughs> i'm just saying you know you have to compare like with like yes, um, in yeah. terms of what people are doing to themselves, and even then veganism and you know you know comes out better but um If you do it properly and you're eating a good whole food, plant-based diet, then it will be the best diet ever, ever, ever.
0: Yep. Some really good tips there. Now, just to finish up, because I'm sort of conscious of time. Now, if we could just touch on dairy quickly and the impact it has on the body. Because I know with dairy, it's sort of a very typical food, as we've already discussed, and many people consuming like milk, yoghurt and cheese on a regular basis. Because it is marketed as like the best, or milk is marketed as the best source of calcium and a necessity for good health. So it leaves a lot of people confused and thinking they'll be calcium deficient if they don't eat dairy. So can you please talk us through the impact of dairy? and what it has on the body and also yeah. what people can eat instead to get sufficient calcium.
1: Yeah, indeed. Right, well, the first thing, I think, is to state what seems obvious, but cows only produce milk because they have a nine-month pregnancy and give birth to a calf. And the milk that they produce is perfect for the calf, but cows are very different animals to human beings. So the yes. first thing to note Is that nutritionally speaking, cow's milk is really quite different from human breast milk. So, therein lies a problem in terms of when you're giving a baby, for example, cow's milk, which is why we don't give babies cow's milk. You know, you don't get that Mm -hmm. litre of milk out of the fridge and give it to your baby, do you? What they do is they take cow's milk and create a formula, which is made from cow's milk, of course. But what they try and do with it is create a dried product that simulates human breast milk. So they have to change all sorts of things about it. So the first thing to say is obviously cow's milk is made for a cow, not for human beings. So one of the stark differences, I guess, between human beings and cows is that cows grow very much faster than human beings. So the milk is much more geared to incredibly fast skeletal growth. Now, human beings grow very slowly. In fact, we're the slowest growing land mammal on the entire planet. Um so we have very different nutritional requirements. And so um in fact I, I have a table when I'm doing the Why You Don't Need Dairy talk, I show people that our protein requirements um are the lowest um from milk than any other mammal on the planet. So and that quite surprises people because we have such mm. an obsession with protein. Yes. Um so anyway, um so you so immediately you're trying to adjust cow's milk to make it more like human milk when you're looking at the young. Um, so cows, they grow. When you think about it, how long does it take a calf to get to become a fully grown adult? Well, not very long. You're looking at, you know, between 12 months and 18 months, and they're a pretty hefty large animal. If you've ever seen a <laughs> bull in a field, you'll know what I mean. Um, you know, whereas, you know, you're looking at how long. Depends what you read, but, you know... It's a long time, isn't it? I mean, for, to fully grow, um, you're talking with boys, you usually read about 21 years, don't you?
0: Um,
1: yep. Obviously, whatever um, those years are, is a stark difference between the two. So don't be fooled into thinking that cow's milk is somehow natural for human beings because no mammal on the entire planet suckles from a different species So nature has perfectly adapted each different milk for that animal. So, for example, seals' milk will be very, very high in saturated fat, which would be very bad for us, but they have to lay down loads of blubber so that they don't die from cold when they go into the seas. So each milk is different for each species, but only meant for that species. So it's a wholly unnatural thing to take the milk of another species in the first place. And I Mm -hmm. think when we start to accept that and be scientific about it and objective, things start to make sense scientifically when you start to look at the health um, implications of consuming dairy and why it's not this incredible food that we've been sold the lie. Um, you know, So when you look at things like the science as well, we milk. So the cow gives birth. She's then made pregnant again very quickly. Uh, and then she continues to be milked, you know, having had that baby right up to seven months into her next pregnancy. And why that impacts on our health is because cow's milk, of course, contains many of the called biologically active molecules. So in a typical glass of milk, you've got 35 hormones and growth factors, which include IGF-1, which is insulin, like growth factor one, um, estrogens and progesterones, obviously, because they're there to direct the growth of the calf. You know, they're meant to be there. But for us mm-hmm. consuming... That product, A, we're not meant to consume milk past weaning. No mammal was meant to consume milk past weaning. And we were never meant to consume the milk of another species. So, again, don't be fooled into thinking it's something that we're meant to do because we simply are not. We have evolved over the millions of years to get calcium exceptionally effectively from plant foods because that is what we have done for millions and millions of years, long before anybody decided that we'd start, you know, suckling from cows which in our evolutionary history is very 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 recent indeed um we've only done it for um a few thousand years where we've been you know evolving for you know for millions of years so it's not in any way necessary whatsoever um igf1 that i just mentioned that's in cows milk is insulin like growth factor 1 now that is a signaler if you've got even slightly raised levels of igf1 in your blood bloodstream it's a signaler that um that you're either at risk from cancer or you've got cancer. So it's, it's something to be taken extremely seriously indeed. An insulin-like growth mm. factor 1 or IGF-1 is high in milk pregnant cows. It's identical to human IGF-1 and it's linked to, are you ready for this? It's linked to an increased risk of childhood cancers, breast mm. cancer, lung cancer melanoma, cancers of the pancreas and cancer of the prostate and gastrointestinal cancers. And obviously that's not me saying that, that's quoting from various scientific papers. Mm -hmm. So that's why we take it so seriously from a health perspective. There are many, many other perspectives to take it seriously from, which are the saturated fat content, because a lot of the dairy products that people consume are things like the hard cheeses, the things like the creams, which obviously are just basically fat, Um, the things like ice cream, you know, um, milk, chocolate, all these things are loaded with fat. And we have to take that seriously because, you know, we're not very adapted over evolution to cope with it because through our evolution, we just didn't eat that much of it. So nature never, in inverted commas, expected us to be eating loads of fat. And of course, now we've got so much access to the stuff our bodies don't cope with it very well. And it does stuff like raises your cholesterol levels in your body, which puts you at risk of um, laying down plaques in your um, arteries. And it can be arteries, obviously, to the heart, which puts you at risk of heart disease. But obviously, it could be arteries anywhere. It could be a major artery in your leg. And, you know, i like somebody that I knew who was in his 50s, could barely walk. The pain was so bad because the furring up was in the artery in his leg. It can cause impotence, of course, in men because it's the arteries to the penis. Um, It can be anywhere. So it's something to be taken very, very seriously. And the other thing that most people don't know about saturated fats because it's just not talked about that much is saturated fats um, are damaging, not just because they raise your bad cholesterol levels, but they also reduce your vessels, linings, ability to produce nitric oxide. Now, nitric oxide is absolutely vital to your heart's health because it boosts the blood flow when you need it. Um, So, for example, if you had strong emotions, your endothelium goes into action. It produces nitric oxide, so it dilates your blood vessels and it boosts the blood flow. And those arteries should be nice and smooth and elastic and your heart doesn't mind. It just goes into action. It gets all the blood with all the oxygen and, and nutrients that it needs to do its job. But if you're eating lots of saturated fats and your nitric acid levels go down due to that, then, and also even worse, if you started to get a furring of the, the actual arteries themselves, then the nitric oxide, which almost it's like it coats your blood vessels like with a slippery Teflon, um, that stops happening. And so the, art, the heart muscle doesn't get the blood flow that it needs. And that you know, can result in really a lot of pain, um, which of course can be excruciating. And I've heard heart specialists refer to patients as cardiac cripples. And that becomes really terrifying emotionally mm. for them. Um, and so, you know, that, the reason that I mentioned that heart disease um, and cancers with, with heart disease, I've directly treated patients with high blood pressure who are at risk of heart disease and with heart disease. And it is one of the things I enjoy treating the most because it's so diet responsive. Um, and yeah. you can do so much with a vegan diet. You know, if you put people onto a whole feed vegan diet, and I don't know if you've heard of dr dean ornish who for me yes. is one of the world's geniuses and I, I don't say that lightly um he had his work published in the lancet um for the lifestyle heart trials which he started many years ago and he was just at the forefront of showing that lifestyle changes alone can actually re- reverse heart disease so if you don't know about that I'd, I'd, I'd um, encourage um, people listening to just Google Dr. Dean Ornish and their lifestyle heart trials um, because the results are so astonishing. They were you know more astonishing than anything done through operations and through medications, and what he did was basically people could eat as much as they were, wanted. they weren't um, restricted in that sense, but they were restricted in the types of foods that they could eat. so they were encouraged to eat a whole grain. And plant-based diet and only 10% of calories could come from fat. So they had to eat so-called acceptable foods, you know, fruits, vegetables, the pulses, groups, etc. cetera. Um, they were put onto exercise programs suitable to them and they were put on stress management programs, which is important. So it was a three-pronged attack, if you like, a lifestyle attack. And the results of that were just incredible in terms of the, you know, the patients getting almost a 90, 90% reduction in chest pain, reduced cholesterol levels. Um, the actual plaques themselves started to dissolve and disappear. So you can do so much through lifestyle changes with a vegan diet. So it is, it's, 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 it's very important. And yes, you're right. Obviously, you can eat bad diets on anything. I mean, you could be a vegan and eat, I don't know, vegan chocolate and crisps all day. Of course, you know, that wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be great. Very- um but you know what we're recommending and what we push people towards with the 30-day vegan the vegan recipe club uk, all shows people how to do it well and how they can feel good
0: Absolutely. Awesome fantastic tips and advice there, Juliet. Thank you so much. And as you say, you know, we'll pop all these details in the show notes so uh people can go, yeah, pop onto your website and have a look and check out the vegan recipe club and, you know, all the other things you talked about today. So thank you so much for for inspiring us with all your wisdom today and sharing your story. It's been amazing. It's a pleasure. I would just say it's an absolute myth about meat eaters getting
1: more calcium because, you know, meat doesn't contain calcium anyway. Um, for, as for the dairy products, you know, for example, um, soy milks, which are pretty much all fortified with calcium, you just check on the label, contain the same amount of calcium um, as dairy milk. So wherever you use the dairy milk, you just use that plant milk instead. In terms of where you get calcium, like I say, we've evolved for millions of years to extract calcium from plant foods. We are exceptionally good at it. And, you know, we get it from nuts and seeds, so almonds, Brazil nuts, sesame seeds, um, and so on and so forth, Pulses, which, again, is the peas, beans, lentils, soya, calcium, set tofu, that group, um, the green leafy vegetables, which is your broccoli, kale, cabbage, watercress, spring greens, and so forth also dried fruits figs apricots um your fortified products which i've just mentioned your fortified plant milks are are a really good source of that um so it is not difficult in any way whatsoever to get enough calcium on a. a whole food vegan diet.
0: No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. There's lots and it's lots of things that people don't think of. All the, you know, food groups you've mentioned there. And we've actually done a blog about this on the CNN website which is um yeah, sources uh, alternative sources to calcium and one on dairy as well and I'm sure Juliet you've got lots on the Viva website as well about that. We have and we've got a calcium rich foods poster, protein rich and iron rich just because those
1: questions come up a lot. So again if people just go onto vivahealth.org.uk because all this is free. And the other thing I will just very quickly mention, um, because I know from training in nutritional therapy, how useful this would have been. Um, On our site, we have the A to Z of nutrients, um, A to Z of diseases and the A to Z of foods. And, you know, so you can look up pretty much anything and see, you know, like you just said with calcium, you could just look it up on the A to Z of nutrients and see how much you need and where you can get it on a vegan diet. And, You know the sort of the issues around it, so it's very, very helpful indeed.
0: Oh, that'd be brilliant! Yeah, very helpful because I think a lot of people could struggle with that. So yes, check that out. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for listening, and a big thank you to Juliet for sharing her inspiring story and wisdom with us. You can find all the information discussed today and more about Juliet in the show notes on the CNN website at www cnnpodcast.com and if you're interested in learning more about nutrition check out Cnm's short course nutrition for everyday living or the naturopathic nutrition diploma for a more in-depth study program with a series of open events coming up in november so you can find all the details on the Cnm website at www.naturopathy-uk.com Join us again next week when I talk to fitness nutritionist Rick Hay about healthy weight loss. He'll be explaining the common causes of weight gain, factors that contribute to obesity, and why it can be difficult to budge the bulge. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe through your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review as this helps us when creating new content.